We're going to take our Bibles out this morning and we're going to turn to the book of Colossians. That's where we have been at the start of this year of 2023. And we're talking about some things from the book of Colossians that the Lord would desire for us to be always abounding in. In Colossians chapter number 1, and we're going to start reading in verse number 9. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse number 9, and we're going to go down to verse number 14. Now, some of you that have been here in the last several Sundays mornings with us, you know that this is the passage of Scripture we've read the last two Sunday mornings. But we want to read it again and then give you just a real short review to where we're at and what we've learned so far from Colossians chapter 1, and then move into the thought that I believe the Lord has for us today. And I know the Lord is already working in my heart on what He is going to have me preach next Sunday morning as well, Lord willing now, unless the Lord changes direction, but excited about what the Lord is already beginning to put in my heart for next Sunday morning and excited about that. But look at the passage here today in Colossians chapter 1, and then can I encourage you to do this today? This doesn't always happen on Sunday morning, but can I encourage you today to keep your Bible real close to you? Because we're going to be asking uh, you to look up several verses today. I really want you to look through some verses today with the subject that we are going to deal with. So we're going to use Colossians chapter 1 as a springboard, but we're going to look at several other passages of Scripture in the New Testament, mainly, mainly now, the New Testament of our Bible to be able to establish this thought that we see really all throughout the New Testament. This is all throughout the New Testament of our Bible, and we're going to get to look at it today in several different places. So would you keep your Bible either on your lap or real close by to you? And when we have you turn to these places, if you can turn and see these for yourself as we read through some of these passages this morning. And again, we don't always, we don't typically always do that on a Sunday morning, but if you have your Bible nearby, it'll help you today. But Colossians chapter 1, and verse number nine. Now, right before I read verse number nine, let's be mindful of the, the, uh, the scenario uh, that's happening as, as Paul writes the book of Colossians. He is writing this while in prison at Rome. And so he is uh, uh, there in, in prison, not for anything that he had done wrong, but for preaching the gospel. They had placed him into prison. And he was trying to encourage these churches with these uh, prison epistles uh, that he writes from the prison there in Rome. And he has, and you're going to notice this as we go through this, he has a prayer that he is praying for the believers there at the church of Colossae. And so this is where we're, where we're at here in Colossians chapter 1, this prayer that Paul prays. So notice, starting in verse number 9, it says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding." that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, now by the way, let's be mindful, because we'll come back to it in just a moment. Be mindful of what we see there in verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. We're going to come back to that. That's a very important thought today. Notice verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Again, Paul writes this. At, while in prison at Rome, he's writing it as a prayer for the believers there at the church of Colossae. And there are several different areas that I believe that the Lord would have us to learn from here in Colossians chapter number one. As a matter of fact, I believe he clearly, 
uh, led me to Colossians chapter 1 for the start of this year. I believe this is God's uh, plan for us as we preach the messages on Sunday mornings here at the start of the year. And what we wanted to look at in Colossians chapter 1 is areas of our Christian life that we need to be always abounding in. And then a secondary thought that's going to go along with that or hand in hand with that is the blessings that come as we abound in the things of God. So not only to see what God wants us to be always abounding in, but then to realize that when we get to that place where we are always abounding in these areas that God desires for us to be abounding in, that we would then get to see the blessings that God has for us and those rich blessings that he has for us. And so to set up the context of this passage, and again, just by way of real short review, why do we read in verse 9 through 14 of this prayer that Paul prays for the believers? Because in verse number 8, he's been delivered a wonderful message. As a matter of fact, he's given good news in verse number 8 that leads up to verse number 9 through 14, this prayer that he prays for the believers. And this good news came to Paul from a man named Epaphras. We told you that Epaphras was a spiritual leader. He may have even been the pastor of the church there in Colossae, but we know that he delivers some good news to Paul. Well, what is the good news that he delivers? In verse number eight, it says this, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. This message to Paul has been delivered from Epaphras. He said he's delivered this message and he's declared unto us that you have love in the spirit. And so because of that, encouragement, that good news that Paul has received, it leads him to then pray this prayer for the believers that there are things that they, they need to be abounding in as God's people, as believers. We noticed several things about Paul's prayer in the last few weeks that are so important for us when we think about prayer time. We told you, number one, that Paul's prayer was for others. Now, nothing wrong with concentrating on praying for the needs that we have, but there is something special about intercessory prayer. This week when we get to pray for Brother Terry and we get to pray for Miss Sue and other individuals that we're going to be praying for that we already called out names for this week. It's something special about just being able to pray for others. And that's what Paul does. He's praying for the believers there at the church of Colossae. And then notice his prayer started immediately. Remember he says, since the day we heard this. And then there's something else that we told you was the truth about his prayer. It was a constant prayer. He said, we do not cease. It's a constant thing. We have not stopped praying for you. And we started immediately since the day we heard this good news that was delivered unto us by Epaphras, that spiritual leader there. And then this is really what we're gaining from these, this passage of Scripture here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. Another aspect of, of Paul's prayer that's so important, it was specific requests he asked for. So we've already dealt with a, a few of those already in, in the past few weeks. Uh, last week, we dealt with the specific request that he gave for the believers at Colossae in verse number 9. He said this specific request is that you would grow in the knowledge of God. We want you to grow in the knowledge of God's will. What is God's will for your life? We want you to know what it is. By the way, that's going to go hand in hand with what we're talking about today. So remember that as well. So we want you to grow in the knowledge of God's will. And then in wisdom and then in spiritual understanding. And then two Sundays ago, we took verse number 10 and we talked about how Paul was specifically encouraging them to live a life that was pleasing to God. We saw that in verse number 10 where it says, unto all pleasing. We want your life to please God. So these are specific requests that Paul is asking for the church of Colossae that they would be always abounding in these things. And then he gave requests that were applicable to every believer. He's not asking God to grant to these believers knowledge of God's will if it wasn't something that was applicable to them. 
They could know God's will. They could have wisdom. They could have spiritual understanding. So they were prayer requests that were applicable to the the believers. And can I say this? It's applicable to us even today. We're reading Colossians chapter number one that was written many years ago under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as Paul wrote these words as the Holy Spirit guided him. But these are applicable for us as believers even today. And aren't you thankful for that? And then the last thing we said about Paul's prayer time is that it was centered on spiritual blessings. Not so much on the physical, not so much on the material things, but on the physical blessings, excuse me, on the spiritual blessings that God, that Paul wanted God to grant to the believers that were there at Colossae. Now, today we're going to center on the start of verse number 10. Would you look with me at the start of verse number 10? Here's what Paul encourages for the, encourages in his prayer time for the church of Colossae, for the believers at the church of Colossae to be always abounding in. Look at what he says in verse number 10. Ready together. It says this, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord. Today, I want to center this message this morning in the time that the Lord's given us in the morning hour here to talk about always abounding in a walk that is worthy of the Lord. You know, God desires for us as His people, His children, to walk worthy of the Lord. You say, well, what what all does that mean? What does it mean to walk worthy of the Lord? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want us to take a, 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 a word at a time, really, through this verse, and I want us to try to understand it. Would you look back at verse number 10 for just a moment? And again, keep your Bible open because we're going to be encouraged by that today. But look at the very beginning of verse number 10. It says this. It says that, that. Now, we're going to pause right there at that first word and get an idea of what Paul's trying to say there. That word that there at the start of the verse is his way of saying so that. All right, so you would say, well, wait a minute. If he's saying so that at the start of verse number 10, then we must have to refer back to verse number 9 to help us to understand why the so that is there. The word that, again, the idea of Paul saying so that you can walk worthy of the Lord. All right, well, how can I get to a place where I can walk worthy of the Lord? Well, again, we go back to verse number nine. We go back to what we learned last Sunday morning. What did we learn last Sunday morning? Well, we learned that God wants us to have the knowledge of his will. And he wants us to have spiritual wisdom. He wants us to have spiritual understanding. And so the knowledge of God's will And wisdom and spiritual understanding then would lead us, or at least we'll put it this way, it should lead us to a right and a righteous walk before God. So here's what Paul's saying as he prays. These prayer, the the, the verses of this prayer go hand in hand. God, I'm asking you that this church would have the knowledge of your will, and wisdom and spiritual understanding so that they would then be able to walk worthy of the Lord. See, as God gives us spiritual knowledge and wisdom and understanding, it leads to a right way of walking and a righteous way of walking and living. So the end result of knowledge then is conduct, right? The end result of right knowledge is right conduct a right way of walking worthy of the Lord. So someone once said this about this particular verse. They said, then that means that right conduct then would be founded on right thinking. Think about how true that statement is. Our thinking has to be right in order for our conduct to be what it should be. You know, the Bible talks much about that. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So let's be thinking the way that Christ would be thinking. So we act the way he acted. 
Let's make sure that we're thinking. Remember what Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8 says. Thinking on things that are just and lovely and honest and pure and of good report. See, as we're thinking on those things, then it leads to our conduct being right. I've often said this, I've said this many times, that what we allow to come into our minds and what we allow to come into our eyes and what we allow to come into our ears ultimately always affects our heart and our mind and it leads to our actions and our attitudes. So what we're allowing to come into our thoughts or what we're thinking about really leads to our conduct. So right thinking then would lead to right conduct. Here's what Paul is trying to encourage them. He's saying, don't separate your learning from your living. You learn right, and then it'll lead you to live right. Because you'll know what you ought to do, and then you'll be able to do it. We would, we would define that as practical results or, or an application of what we've learned, right? So we have wisdom, we have spiritual understanding, we have the knowledge of God's will, and then it leads us to a walk that is worthy of the Lord. Look at what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says. Again, we'll be looking at a few verses this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and notice what the Bible says in verse number 1. It's very unique the way the Bible words this verse because it goes so well with our theme for this year. Notice what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 1. It says, furthermore... Then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk. Now, there's a way that you have been taught that you're to walk. Again, that, that's the learning first, and then the living comes second. So we learn what to do, and then we put it into practice in our lives. And by the way, look at what he says. He said, you've received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God. Now, we've already talked about how our walk ought to lead to pleasing God, right? So we please the Lord with our walk. So we learn how to live. Then we, then we act it out. We put it into application in our lives, put it into practice. And then it pleases the Lord as we do it. Notice what he says at the end, though, of verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So ye would abound more and more. And think about that. That goes so well with our theme, doesn't it? That ye would abound more and more. God has taught you how to walk. And as he leads and guides and directs your path and how to walk, you live in a way then, as you walk the way that God would have you to walk, you live in a way that is then pleasing to the Lord. And he's encouraging here the church of Thessalonica here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to abound in that more and more. So now let's notice the next part of that verse there in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, back to verse number 10. And by the way, you might want to, as you follow along with us with verses, you might want to put a marker there in Colossians chapter 1 because we'll go back to verse number 10. But in Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, it says this, that, remember, it's the thought, so that, so whatever you've learned, the knowledge that God has given you, the wisdom, the spiritual understanding leads to right living. So it says that ye might walk, ye might walk. Now let's define that word walk for a moment this morning because we want to understand what it means to walk uh, in the ways that God would have us to walk. That word walk at this, in this particular passage of Scripture and in this particular verse has a meaning that would be different than other ways the Bible uses the word walk because sometimes the Bible uses the word walk in a literal, physical sense of walking. So we see times in Scripture where uh, individuals are walking and they're, and, they're, and they're literally physically walking. But this word walk has a totally different idea. 
So the word walk here in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10 has the idea of how we conduct our lives. Not, not a physical walking, but a walk of, of how we conduct our lives. How we order our behavior. How we make our way on this earth. How we use up opportunities that God has given to us. And it literally even could refer to our walk that we have with God. Meaning our fellowship that we have with Him. It speaks, the word walk speaks of one's lifestyle. This is our lifestyle. He says that we were to walk or our lifestyle should be worthy of the Lord. By the way, how do we live a life where we're walking the way that God wants us to walk? I want to I give you two ideas this morning. Number one, we need to live a life that is patterned after His. Live a life that is patterned after His. Live a life that is patterned after the example that Jesus left for us. Walk as Jesus walked. There's a verse in 1 John, and I want to take the time to read it here this morning. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 6, the Bible says this, He that saith, he abideth in him. Can I ask you this morning, do you abide in Jesus? He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. What is it saying there? As Jesus walked, we are to walk. The way he lived is our pattern. The way he lived is our example of the way that we would live. Can I give you a few examples of how Jesus lived? And certainly we would not be able to take time to exhaust all that Jesus did to give us an example. But he lived a life of tenderness, didn't he? Jesus lived a life of self-sacrifice. Jesus lived a life of humility. He lived a life of generosity. He lived a life of love. He lived a life of honesty. He lived a life of holy service. Remember, he was desiring to do the will of God the Father that had sent him, and he wanted to finish that work, didn't he? And then he lived a life of close communion with his heavenly Father, God. He had a life of close communion. Let us walk as Jesus would walk. But then there's another way in which we pattern our walk. Not only uh, to walk as Jesus would walk, but also to live a life that is empowered by His Spirit. By the way, Jesus gave us example of that as well. The Bible says in Acts, and I'm going to take the time to turn there to Acts chapter number 10. And I want us to look at verse number 38. Acts chapter 10 and verse number 38. The Bible says this, and I want you to concentrate on what the Bible is saying here about Jesus and his earthly ministry and how during his earthly ministry he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do his work. Notice what it says, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Oh, what an encouragement. That even in the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, and even though Jesus was God, the Holy Spirit's presence as God was on the life of Jesus during his earthly ministry to empower him to do all that God wanted him to do. Can I say this? That's how you walk in the way that God would have you to walk. That's how you walk in the way that's pleasing to him. Number one, you walk as Jesus would walk, but then you walk empowered by the Holy Spirit. Can I say this? In our lives as Christians, we cannot do things in our own strength. 
We cannot rely upon or try to depend upon our own strength, but our relying, our dependence has to be upon the Holy Spirit. Depending on your own strength will do nothing but lead to failure and it will lead to frustration. You know, the Bible says in the book of John chapter 5, we come to the passage of Scripture where the Bible is talking about the vine and the branches. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And in John chapter 15, in verse number 5, here's what Jesus says during his earthly ministry. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Now notice the end of the verse. For without me, ye can do nothing. Let us never get to a place in our lives where we say we can walk without being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. We must have His power. We must be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to do the work that He calls us to do. He'll equip us. He'll abide with us. And without Him, the Bible says we can do nothing. So how do we walk? Well, we walk in a way where we're saying we're walking as Jesus would walk. And then we're also walking dependent upon or empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if you were in Colossians chapter number one, I want to take a moment to show you how important this word walk is right here from the book of Colossians, right here from the book of Colossians. You're going to notice as I take you through this little journey through the book of Colossians, you're going to notice that in the book of Colossians, every single chapter, there is a use of this word walk. And when I say this word walk, I mean the, work that, the word the walk that we just defined a moment ago, speaking of our lifestyle, our walk, or our communion with God. Notice with me, if you would, Colossians chapter 2. Now, we already read the reference in Colossians chapter 1. Look with me, if you would, in Colossians chapter 2. Paul uses this again. He says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, watch this. He says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Ye've received the Lord and now your lifestyle ought to match his lifestyle. You ought to walk the way he walks. You ought to be empowered by him. But then turn to chapter 3 if you would. Chapter 3 and verse number 7 in the book of Colossians it says this, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. You say, what's he talking about here in Colossians chapter 3 verse number 7? He's talking about how you walked, how a person walked before Christ transformed their heart and their mind. Before we were saved, we walked in darkness, didn't we? Now, I told you a minute ago that Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 13 was going to be important. Would you turn back there a minute for it with me? Colossians chapter 1, verse number 13. What does the Bible say? It says this, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? See, we used to walk in darkness, didn't we? Before our lives were transformed, if you're saved today and you know Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says you used to walk in darkness. You used to walk in the pleasures of, of sin and your flesh. And that's all we knew before we knew Christ as our Savior, to walk in darkness. So that's how we walked before Christ transformed our heart and our mind. Brother Terry, just a moment ago, read from Ephesians chapter 2. And here are the first two verses he read in that verse. It says this in that passage. He says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, which means we used to walk in darkness. We used to be dead in our trespasses and sins. But notice he says, you've, God has quickened you. That word quickened means he's made us alive. 
We were dead in our trespasses and sins and he's made us alive. Verse number two says this. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. This is how you used to live. This is the darkness and the sin you used to be in before Christ transformed your heart. And now he's saying, since I have transformed your heart and your mind, you're to walk as God would walk. You're to walk the way he'd have you to walk. Your lifestyle ought to match the lifestyle he would have you to live. Empowered by the Holy Spirit of God as you serve him. Now let me ask you today, by way of an application in our hearts today, Maybe there'd be somebody today that would say, if you'd want me to be honest with you this morning, I'm still walking in darkness because I've never come to a time where I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Today could be the day of your salvation. Today could be the day you'd put your faith and trust in the Lord. You say, I've never gotten to the place where I called out to Him and asked Him to be my Savior. I've never trusted Him. The Bible says it's as simple as, and you say, what, you simple? Yes, it's a gift that God wants to give. You just got to receive it. And it's as simple as getting to a place where we acknowledge that we're a sinner, realize that our sin has a punishment, realize that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for us, shed his blood for us. And if we will call upon him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, you've got to receive the gift. You cannot reject the gift. You've got to receive the gift because that gift of salvation and that gift of eternal life, what Jesus Christ did to pay the price for our sins is the only way that we can have hope of heaven today. It cannot be in relying upon something we do, but relying upon something that has already been done by the gift that God has given to us when he sent his son to die on the cross for us. He says, this is the way you used to walk. But God, if you're saved in here today, God's transformed your heart, hasn't he? He's transformed your mind. But then look at chapter 4, if you would, in the book of Colossians. Chapter 4 and verse number 5. I want you to notice what he says here when he talks about the walk in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 5. He says this, walk in wisdom toward them that are without excuse me, redeeming the time. Boy, there's a bunch in this verse. There's a bunch. You say, well, that's a pretty short verse to have a lot of great truth in it. There's a lot of wonderful truth in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 5. Here's what he's saying. He says in verse 4, he's, uh, I'm sorry, verse 5, walk in wisdom. It has the idea of uh, walking prudently, to be a prudent person, to walk with discretion in our lives, to be wise about how we walk, which by the way, we'll come back to that in just a moment as well, towards the end of our message time. He says, walk uh, with discretion. Walk prudently. Now, why should you do that? Notice what he says. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Meaning, we're to walk in wisdom because we are surrounded by people that are not Christians. And so because we are surrounded by people that are not Christians, we are to walk in wisdom because, again, they are watching the life of a child of God. And the Bible says at the end of verse number 5, redeeming the time... You say, well, what does that mean? It has the idea of making the most of every opportunity God gives you. To, to, to uh, continually seize or redeem or buy up the opportunities that God gives you so that you do not allow one to slip away. May we redeem the time that God has given to us. Uh, parents, while we're raising our children, let's buy up the opportunities God gives us to rear them in the way that God wants us to. 
husbands and wives as we're loving one another. Let's buy up opportunities we can to be a blessing to one another. Let's buy up opportunities with non-Christians that are around us that we get to share the gospel with them. We'll seize every advantage and every opportunity that God gives us. Buying up the opportunities. Seizing or redeeming the moments that God gives us for His honor and His glory. The last part of Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10 says these words. Remember we told you we'd go through it slowly. It says this, that, or meaning, so that, because you have knowledge, because you have wisdom, because you have spiritual understanding, you can walk, and then it says this, worthy of the Lord. Walk worthy of the Lord. What does it mean to walk worthy of the Lord? There's a special word that is used at the end of this little phrase here that we want to give you as an illustration to help you to understand what it means to walk worthy of the Lord. It has the idea of to walk in a manner that is worthy of or fitting of or suitable to the Lord, the one that we serve. The Bible says this. I want you to take time to turn there if you, with me if you would. First Peter chapter 2. Look at First Peter chapter 2 and look with me if you would at verse number 21. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 21. How are we to walk worthy of the Lord? Look at what it says here in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21. It says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. God says again, walk as I've walked. Walk empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Walk in a manner that is worthy of, that's fitting of, that's suitable to the Lord who you serve. Now the idea in this verse that I want to bring across to you as we uh, close the, the, uh, the, the, the particular passage that we looked at here in verse number 10, as we close the wording of it, to walk worthy of the Lord, it has the idea or the picture of some scales. And we think about how those scales are sitting on a balance and they're going to go one direction or the other. Well, the idea for a Christian is that we are to balance the scales. And when two are compared to one another, they are found of equal weight. Meaning that we are walking in such a way that if we would put our lives on a scale with the life of Jesus, that we'd walk in equal weight. You say, well, wait a minute, that doesn't sound possible. <laughs> because God lived a perfect life. Jesus lived a perfect life, didn't he? So how is my life in any way, shape, or form going to ever equal to or balance out the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? It won't, will it? Because He's holy. He's perfect in every way. But can I say this same phrase that I repeat so often? We are to get to a place where we're becoming more like Him every day. We are walking in a way that is worthy of the Lord. We're living in a manner that would be in accordance to communion and fellowship with him. Just like we would use the illustration of a husband and a wife on that scale, saying that we want to walk equally, that we're getting along the right way. We're, we're fellowshipping one with another, and there's not distance between us. Uh, the scale is not, is not in, in, unbalanced in one way or another. God says, that's how I want the communion and the fellowship with me to be with those who are my children. I want you to be able to walk and I want you to walk worthy of the Lord. So for the Christian, the challenge is this. Let us not walk in such a way where we would bring disgrace upon our Lord. 
Let's not walk in such a way where the balance would be totally out of line, where we're walking after our flesh or after our own desires instead of what God would have us to do. Now, what God is asking us to do here through Paul's prayer, because again, he's praying for the church of Colossae, but it's applicable to us today, isn't it? So if God is saying to us, I want you to be always abounding in walking in a way that is worthy of the Lord, would you not agree with me? That is a high standard, isn't it? God, you have given me a high standard, something I don't even feel like I have the strength to accomplish. That's where God's Holy Spirit comes in. We're empowered by His Holy Spirit to do what he desires us to do that we do not have enough strength to do on our own part. God enables us to walk in such a way where we're walking, that's, where our walk is worthy of the Lord. Philippians chapter 1, which is the book right before Colossians, Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent... I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, he says at the start of that verse, only let your conversation. That's another way of describing our lifestyle or our walk with the Lord. And he says, would your manner of life. Here's what he says to the church of Philippi. It, it ought to be that your manner of life weighs as much as the gospel that you are preaching. If you're going to give out the good news of the gospel, then those that you give the good news of the gospel to ought to see a life that is reflecting the one who has already come to live within you. Oh, would we live a walk that is worthy of the Lord, conduct our daily lives, realizing that the unsaved are watching us with a critical eye. So that we realize that the unsaved are, are, are watching and we, we don't want anything in our daily life to jeopardize our witness for the Lord. So we would ask ourselves the question then, am I conducting my life in a manner that's worthy of the Lord? Am I conducting my life in a manner that's worthy of the gospel that I'm trying to share to others? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1 that we are to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith God has called us. He's called us. There's something he has for every one of us to do and we are to walk worthy of that vocation so that our life, again, gives an example of what we are telling others when we present to others the good news of the gospel. Now, as we close our message this morning, this is where real quickly for a moment, I want you to find a few verses for me and we'll finish with this. How does the Bible teach us or what are some ways the Bible teaches us that we are to walk? If I want to walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord, can I ask you real quickly to journey through the New Testament with me for a few verses and let's see the way the Lord would have us to walk. Look quickly at Romans. We're going to go right uh, through this in, in order here. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, the Bible says this in verse number 4. So if you look at Romans chapter 6, and look down at verse number four, it says this. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The Bible saying this, what should our walk be? Our walk should be in newness of life. 
Matter of fact, a lot of times we would illustrate this when a person would be baptized, when they would follow the Lord in believer's baptism. We would say that not only are they picturing the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he died and he was buried and he rose again, but we're also picturing the fact that when we got saved, we buried our old life of sin and now we are rising to walk in newness of life. You say, well, wait a minute, does that mean the baptistry waters does something special for us? No, it's just a picture of something that's already happened in your heart. Inwardly, this already took place, so outwardly you're letting people know, I've buried my old life of sin, and now I'm rising to walk in newness of life. Can I ask you, since the day you got saved, are you seeing a walk in newness of life? Are you seeing a closeness to God? Are you seeing a fellowship? Or would you say, I don't feel like I see a whole lot of growth? God wants us to be walking in newness of life. And then look at, at Romans 13. Romans 13, in verse number 13, the Bible says this, and we're just going to journey right through here, just a few verses in the New Testament. It says, let us, Romans 13, 13, let us walk honestly. All right, how, do, how are we to walk? Number one, we're to walk in newness of life. Number two, he says to walk honestly. Can I say this today? If you're going to be any example of what a Christian ought to be, you've got to walk in honesty. You've got to be honest. The Bible talks about that in the uh, book of Ephesians. It says, uh, 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 we're, to, we're to put away lying, he says. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Why? Because we're a testimony, right? To others that are around us. We've got to walk in honesty. Let, can I say this? Let our word mean something today. Let's be honest. And by the way, if we're going to vow a vow to God, he said it's better not to vow it than to vow to not keep it. Let's be honest as we communicate with our Savior. Let's be honest when we communicate with one another. Let our lifestyle be a lifestyle of honesty. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7. Let's read this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. Just a short verse, but it encourages us. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Can I say today we're going to walk in newness of life. We've got to walk in honesty. We've got to walk by faith. We were saved by faith, and God wants us to walk by faith. Now, one day, our faith will become sight, won't it? We'll get to see it. Right now, we're walking by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. That's how we're walking right now. We, we're, we're walking by faith. We haven't seen anything yet. But again, one day, that faith becomes sight. Again, I've said this so many times, but it's so true in our world today. So many will say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. But God says, I want you to believe, and then I'll let you see it. You, you, you trust me, you believe, you walk by faith, and then I'll let you see it. Are you, are you trusting God? Are you putting your faith in Him as you ought to? Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16, just a few more verses and we'll be done. It says this, this I say then. This is Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16 if you're following along. He says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, there's a list of the lust of, or excuse me, a list of the works of the flesh. And then there's another list, and it's the list of the fruit of the Spirit. He says, I don't want you to live anymore after the lust of the flesh, but instead I want you to live by the fruit of the Spirit. And what's the only way you're going to do that? You've got to walk in the Spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit controlling you, guiding you, and empowering you. Again, it always goes back to the two thoughts we gave at the start of the message. You've got to walk as Jesus walked, and you've got to walk empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. It's the only way we can do it. 
So we walk in the Spirit, not after the flesh. Now we have that battle between the Spirit and the flesh still, don't we? Because when we got saved, our flesh didn't. So we have that battle. We have that old man. Like, like Paul says, the things that I want to do, those are the things that I find hardest to do at times. And those are the, th- the things that I want to stay away from. Those are the things I find myself doing, Paul says. So there is that, that, that war that goes on. But God says, I want you to walk in the Spirit. I want you to be filled with the Spirit of God, controlled and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to do the work and the will of God in your life. Let's walk in the Spirit today. Do you find that you're walking in the Spirit? Do you find that the Holy Spirit is controlling your life or are you allowing your flesh to control your life? Ephesians chapter 5, our last three will be in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is where our last three will be and we'll finish with these three verses. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 2, the Bible says this, and walk in love. Walk in love. We're to walk in love one towards another. And it says this, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Let's walk in love. We're walking in newness of life. We're walking in honesty. We're walking, in, we're walking by faith. We're walking in the Spirit. But we need to walk in love. Do you have a love today for one another? Do we, are we able to show that love that we have for one another? Let's walk in love. Then notice what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, we're already there. Verse number 8. He says this, For ye were sometimes darkness. It goes back to what we said in Colossians, right? He says, you were, you were in darkness before you got saved. Before I transformed your heart and your mind and your life, you were in darkness. Notice what he says. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. He says, walk as children of light. So how are we to walk? We're to walk as children of light. You say, well, how would children of light walk? Well, they'd walk with a proper testimony. They'd walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, it says in verse 6, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So if you're walking in darkness and yet you say you're a child of God, he says you're lying and you do not the truth. He says in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sins. Aren't you glad to know that we can walk as children of light would walk? Is there a difference? Is there a distinction in your life than those who are in as children, those that are in darkness, in the darkness of their sin? And then the last one comes to verse number 15. I told you we'd come back to this. And we're going to finish the message with this. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 it says this. See then that ye walk circumspectly. How does God want us to walk? He wants us to walk wisely. Walk circumspectly. Walk wisely. Notice what he says. Not as fools, but as wise. God wants us to walk circumspectly. He wants our walking to be wise and accurate in accordance to the Word of God. Remember we told you we'd come back to that. Our wisdom, what we know to do, is then put into practice in our walk. We are walking wisely. It's possible to walk in a foolish way. God says, I want you to walk wisely. Now we'll put all this together and I'll finish in prayer. The Bible says we are to walk worthy of the Lord. And then the next part says this, unto all pleasing. So I'll finish with this. I'll say this as a statement. I hope will help you today as you put this into practice in your life. If you are walking worthy of the Lord, then the Bible says you will then be pleasing him.
And I think we all would say we want to please him. We all want to bring honor and glory to him. So let's walk worthy of the Lord so our lives are well-pleasing to him. Lord, I pray that you would bless this message that's been preached this morning. And Lord, I thank you for the attention of those that were here today. And Lord, I thank you for a 